Hello there, and welcome to episode number 278 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. With me is Amanda, and we are doing another round of recommendation requests. They are so popular. They are so fun. And we have so many books to talk about. We are going to talk about historical romances, historical fantasy with knitting, Jewish protagonists, heroines who save the hero, terminology to find the books you want, romances about single mothers, and historical erotica with menage. Amanda asks me about my romance writing, and as expected, we talk about a lot of books. A lot. A lot of books. And there's also a very likely, likely high chance of cat and dog during the podcast. So you might hear from more than half of my mammals. If you have ideas or questions or you would like to make a recommendation request, I would dearly love to hear from you. You can email me at svjpodcast at gmail.com. You can record a voice memo. You can email it to me. You can just open the window and yell, but I might not hear you that way. Either way, if you've got ideas or questions or you'd like to ask for a request, if you'd like to ask for a request, no, actually what you want to do is you want to request a recommendation, please get in touch. We have a sponsor for this episode, and I'm very excited to tell you about it. This episode is being brought to you by Heart of a Cowboy by Kristen Vaden. A stubborn cowboy has sworn never to forgive or forget, but one special woman may find a way to change his mind. This exciting new series from best-selling author Kristen Vaden centered on the Elk Heights Ranch in Washington State. It combines complex characters, a gorgeous setting, and crackling sexual chemistry. When the prodigal son returns to the ranch to dismantle his late father's legacy as a last act of revenge against the hateful old man, he never expects the gentle ways of a hospice nurse to tame the roaring fire within him. The Heart of a Cowboy by Kristen Vaden is available everywhere books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Now, I don't have a sponsor for the transcript, but there will be one because there's always a transcript because I know how many of you guys like them and enjoy them. I would also like to say that if you're thinking ahead to 2018 and you're thinking, I would like to promote this thing that I'm doing and I like podcasts, you can always get in touch with me. I have sponsorships for the podcast and for the transcript available beginning in January. So please get in touch if you are interested. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or Sarah with an H at smartbitchestrashybooks.com if this is of interest and I would love to hear from you. Now, if you're traveling this month, and you probably are, you might even be traveling right now, you might want some audiobooks to take with you. I think that is a very smart idea. If you go to our affiliate link, audibletrial.com slash smartpodcast, you will receive a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial, which is pretty cool. And I have recommendation suggestions for you as well. For example, I recommend very, very much Pretty Face by Lucy Parker, narrated by Morag Sims, or Act Like It, one of my very favorite contemporary romances and probably my favorite Lucy Parker, narrated by Billy Fulford Brown. I've listened to that one several times while cross-stitching. You don't even have to be traveling. You could just put your earbuds in and be like, I have had enough of family. I'm going to listen to a book. So if you go to audibletrial.com slash smartpodcast to sign up, you get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial, and you're helping us grow. So thank you very much. Speaking of growth, I... Have exciting news. Wasn't well, exciting because I told you last week, but I'm still really happy about this. We have a podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smart bitches. And the first place I go for recommendation requests is our patrons. So when you make a monthly pledge, you're helping the show. You help me commission transcripts. You help the podcast grow into the next year and you get a direct line to ask me for books to read. 
But you also may have heard recently that Patreon was changing the fee structure and that instead of my paying the fees, which is how it should be done, they were going to add the fee to individual pledges. But based on feedback, of which there was a lot, most of it furiously negative, they've changed their plans. They are not altering the fee structure. Thank goodness. So you can absolutely make pledges to support the show for $1 or $3 a month. I am working on alternate methods to support the show by request, so stay tuned for that. But Patreon is still an option that I am happy to have. Other ways you can support the show? Well, very easy. Leave a review wherever you listen or however you listen. You can tell a friend, you can subscribe, whatever works. Most of all, thank you so much for hanging out with me each week. The music you're listening to is provided by, you guessed correctly, Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the show. Plus, I have a really bad joke. Actually, I have two bad jokes. One of them is really bad, but it's still making me laugh. So I have two jokes for this episode. It's like an extra bonus bad joke at the end. And of course, I will have links to all of the books that we talk about. And there are, of course, a lot of them. I will also have links to some of the features on the site that we mentioned, including two rec leagues and some uh, archetypes in our media database. And I will have a link to a pair of socks that you will probably want to buy because, well, I bought them because they had a really good thing to say on the bottom that involved wine. Like, what could possibly be wrong with that? And now, without any additional delays and further words from yours truly, let's do a podcast. So it seems that your recommendation request answers are very popular, which is really cool because you like doing them. Yes, I do. Yay. So we have more. Are you ready? I am very ready. Okay. Our first letter is from Jane Ann. She writes, I am new to romance literature. I found you as a result of the 2017 Valentine's Day broadcast on CBS Sunday morning. So I am new to the genre. Hi, Jane Ann. Welcome. Of course, I love anything Beverly Jenkins writes. I find I like historical romance that goes into detail about everyday life, like the food of the times and its preparation. I read Alyssa Cole's Extraordinary Union, which I enjoyed. If you could get a romance with knitting in there, too, I would love that. I enjoy Jenkins stories that are set in the West during the late 1880s and have read three of them with all of the others on deck. So surprise me with a recommendation that I may be overlooking. Thank you. Okay. So for Jane Ann, she wants American historicals, it seems, mostly. And I have a few recommendations, but you go first. So um, I recommended Rose Lerner, but I don't think she does any American historicals. She might have in Hamilton's Battalion. Um, mm-hmm. the new yes, Hamilton definitely. And I think she does some really great stuff with characters. Um, I think she has some neurodivergent characters in her books. Some great beta heroes. Um, she also so re- explores class in a way that's very interesting. She does some really intelligent stuff. Oh, um, she's very, very smart with with uh, creating tension in unexpected places. And yes, her story in Hamilton's Battalion is extraordinarily good. So I would recommend especially that anthology. Um, but I would also recommend checking out some of Rose Lerner's other books. I know um, whenever I feature them, on sale, a lot of people comment because they're huge Rose Lerner fans. Um, so I definitely recommend books by her. Yes. 
Um, so another one is The Native Star by N.K. Hobson. I read this a long time ago. And it's more historical fantasy, less romance, but there are some romantic elements. Ooh. And it's set in the late 19th century. And I remember, like, something is happening on a train. <laughs> um, but there is, <laughs> like, magic and the Old West. Um, and I remember I bought it on a whim, and I really liked it. I think it's part of a series, though I never continued with the series, I don't think. Um, hmm. And then I'm not sure if Jane Ann how she feels about erotic content, but Sarah McCarty has this... Oh, that's spicy romance right yeah, there. this bonkers Wild West series called the Hell's Eight series. And it's it's insane. Like, <laughs> I've, I've read a few of them and super high on erotic content, super high on angst and melodrama but lots of old west stuff if that is your catnip um so maybe poke around you don't really have to read the series in order um you might be missing out on like a little bit of character development for secondary characters but um there are several books in the series so you can always hunt around and find one that appeals to you story-wise but yeah, I remember reading them when I was early in my romance days. So I was probably like 17, 18 years old. And I picked one up. I was like, what the fresh hell is this? But in the best way, because it just, it's bananas. That's one of the interesting things about um, the the two of us is that your tastes are so very different from mine. You really like um, books that I am just like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> so it, we cover a lot. And also the minute I find a book that's um, that's pretty over the top and erotic content, I'm like, Amanda needs to know about this immediately, <laughs> like right away. Okay. So one of the things that Jane Ann mentioned was that she also is looking for romances with knitting in them. Now, there are a ton of romances with knitting in the contemporary the genre. Contemporary, yeah. Contemporary knitting romances is like totally a thing. But I did manage to find a really interesting historical fantasy that sounds kind of amazing. What? It's a historical fantasy ro um, romance. It was published in 2009, so it might be a little hard to find. It's called Princess of the Midnight Ball by Jessica, Jessica Day George, excuse me. And it's book one of a trilogy. So it's one of three. Um one of the people in the story is a soldier named Galen. And one of the things that needs to happen is uh, someone has to knit a invisibility cloak with enchanted silver needles. And according to the reviews, Galen is the one who is knitting things all the time. Have you told Elise about this book? I will be telling Elise about this book. <laughs> oh, yes. There will be much, 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 much discussion. Elise, there's a soldier who's knitting in a historical fantasy. I mean, somewhere right now, she just sat up really excited and doesn't know why. <laughs> and there are patterns in the back of this book, according to a reviewer named Kate. Thank you, Kate, from page a page with a view. Um, there's patterns in the back of the book for everything he makes in the story. Oh, so it's historical, God. romantic, YA fantasy with knitting. I'm like really excited that I found this. <laughs> I feel like this in this episode, this is the train anthology. Like <laughs> I'm just so proud of myself right now. Also, I have cat sprawling across my desk. The UPS man is here. Zeb's going to bark. It's great. Okay. 
In terms of historicals with detail about, you know, what everyday life is like, finding Beverly Jenkins is probably the best thing that could happen because she's wonderful at that. I also want to recommend Alyssa Cole's novellas, Let It Shine, Let Us Dream, and Be Not Afraid, and also her novella in the um, Hamilton's Battalion Anthology, because there's a lot of competence porn and also sort of slice of life portrayals of what it's like day to day for different people in different periods of time. Let It Shine is set in the 60s. Let Us Dream is set in the 1920s in Harlem, I think. So there's a there's a ton of different options. The last thing I want to make sure to mention is Lorraine Heath's Texas trilogy. This is one of the most beloved trilogies in American historical. And American historical used to be a lot more popular than it is now. Lorraine Heath's Texas, I don't remember the order of them. It's Texas Dream, Texas Chase, and Texas something. Somewhere someone is listening to this episode and they're really mad because they know exactly the name <laughs> and they know they know that I'm getting them wrong. Sarah, is that the one that like Jessica Edwards recommended on like a podcast or a post? Yes, that is exactly the one that Jesse Edwards recommended. Jesse Edwards is going to listen to that podcast and she is just going to scream that I don't know the names in order and I don't know them in the correct uh like, I don't know the correct titles. This, Sarah, you don't know them. <laughs> we have talked about this several times, Sarah, and I am very disappointed that you cannot remember my all-time favorite books. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Somewhere Jesse's very mad. Okay. So Lil is next. And Lil writes, favorite romances, Only a Kiss and Only Beloved by Mary Balog, An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole, and basically the entirety of the Brothers Sinister series. I'm always looking for biracial heroines or Jewish heroines or biracial Jewish heroines, and also heroines who don't look down on traditionally thought of as feminine things or are traditionally thought of as feminine themselves. My trope catnips are competence, found family, and heroes being saved from peril by heroines. I'm not an erotica BDSM person, but I will take any genre otherwise. There are a lot of things, and it's like, I can do two out of three or one out of four. There's so many good books that could fit some of these. So we'll give some options. Where you know you have links to our archetype database of Jewish of Jewish protagonists and diverse protagonists. Yes, so I recommend poking through there. I mean, I will admit the Jewish um, archetype category is a little slimmer than the diverse protagonists, um, but I mean, poke around, see if there's any that sticks out. Um, I know Sarah and I recently enjoyed a book, was it Highland Dragon Warrior with a Jewish alchemist heroine? Yep. Um, it's historical. It has a dragon. Um, she's super smart. We also have done a rec league for competence porn. And I know we've recommended Tracy Lives Livesay. Is that her name? Livesey. Yeah, Tracy Livesey. Um, yes. So she has been recommended for competence porn and she has a lot of diverse characters in her books. I think the first one, I can never remember the name because I always confuse it with the second one. Is it Along Came Love? Is that, is that the first one? Yeah, I think it's Love on Love My on Mind my, and then Along Came Love. Love on My Mind has... And right now, right now, Jesse Edwards is like, oh, you remember those? <laughs> but you don't remember the Lorraine Heath books? <laughs> But the first book has some really great competence porn, if that's your thing. Um, and then if you want 
heroines saving heroes. I really liked Zoe Archer's Blades of the Rose series. Um, yes. There are four books and they have all different kinds of heroines and heroes. There's like a an adventurer heroine and there's like a scientist hero and like an inventor and a treasure hunter. So there's a lot of adventure. Um that's a great backdrop to the romances. And then Mel Jean Brooks' Iron Seas series is fantastic. That's a really, really good recommendation. Yes. Not only is there competence porn, but there's competence porn in the world building. Yeah, it's, too. A, it's like steampunky. Um, and I just mm-hmm. remember the first book of The Iron Duke. The heroine is so tough. Um, she has a bit of a a traumatic backstory, but she's so tough. And I really enjoyed reading about her. Um, so I would recommend those two series as well, though I don't think, um, any of the characters in those are Jewish. I know they do have some diverse protagonists in both of those series. Yes, absolutely. One of the interesting things I've noticed is that when you search for biracial characters, you get a lot of results for interracial romance where it's like, uh, that's not what I was looking for. (laughs) Biracial heroines and biracial characters, if you look at Beverly Jenkins' newest series, um, one of the, the first one is, the first one is really interesting because the hero is passing as white. Now, I know you wanted heroines, but that one is immediately jumps to the front of my mind. Alicia Rye's characters are Japanese and Hawaiian, and there's characters that are of uh, Indian American heritage. So, The other um, thing that I noticed in terms of Jewish heroines, so aside from my own book, which um, has a Jewish heroine and also a Jewish hero called Lighting the Flames, uh, it's for Hanukkah, and I love it a lot, and it makes me really happy when I reread it because I forget everything, including my own writing, so I totally wrote a book for myself, and if I wait between readings, I forget what it was. Sarah, are you going to write another another book? Just total aside, are you going to write like another Hanukkah romance set at a... Camp. I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm thinking I about think it. Should. Why? Sh- you yeah. think I should? Yeah, you know, writing. It's okay. <laughs> Here's the here is the thing. I started a sequel. And in the sequel, so in the first book, the heroine Genevieve had been away in Iceland studying the Jewish community of Iceland, which I believe is like all of 47 people. Cool, though. I know. I was like, this is really, I did so many really, so many really interesting deep dives into nerdy parts of the internet, like the Jewish community of Iceland. And one of the interesting things about, um, especially the Scandinavian and Nordic countries like Iceland, Denmark, Sweden, and, and, uh, Norway is that outward displays of religion are not culturally, um, acceptable. And, there's also a, a rather staggering resurgence of white supremacy in those countries in the last few years, similar to our country. So I'm, I read a lot about how Jewish communities that feel like, like openly culturally proclaiming who they are is not necessarily a good thing for them to do as much as you can here in the United States. But one of the things I wanted to do with the sequel, um, so the heroine had studied in Iceland, and my idea was that the son of one of the families that she met in Iceland would come to camp because that was the camp that his mother had gone to. Now, traditionally, Judaism is, uh, Judaism follows matrilineal descent. So if your mother's Jewish, you're Jewish. 
even if you weren't raised Jewish, your mother being Jewish makes you Jewish. So here's this guy who has very little Jewish knowledge, who's being told, hey, dude, you're like totes Jewish because your mom was Jewish. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's really weird, but okay, fine. So he's at this Jewish summer camp to find out what it was that his mother experienced. And he's there as a staff member. And the heroine that I initially created was biracial because my husband's uh, cousin is biracial. And one of the things that she's talked to me a lot about is how when you are black and Jewish, you are constantly being presumed to not know anything or mm-hmm. constantly being presumed to not be Jewish, even though there's a number of Jews of color in the world. So the idea that the, the part of the tension of the idea for the sequel was everyone just tells this guy, oh, you're fine. You're Jewish. And he knows nothing. And she constantly has to prove that she knows things and that she is Jewish because she doesn't look what people ex- like what people expect a Jewish person to look like. And I wasn't sure if I was equipped to write the story, to be completely honest. So I sort of look at it and go, let me think about it some more. But that was where I started. And I haven't finished it yet. But I'm thinking about it. Thanks. So there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Does that sound absolutely terrible? You can be completely honest because I have very little ego. No, I think it sounds like really neat, to be honest. But I know like saying, hey, you should finish writing this book is easier said than done with, you know, all of the free time in your life that you had, not not that you have like animals and children and a house to oh, yeah, worry yeah. about. <laughs> and a website to worry about. about. <laughs> so yeah. in um to answer your question, I think about a sequel a lot and I would love to write a sequel again. Um and it was really, really fun because I created that whole sort of camp world based on a camp that I used to work at. And so it's really fun to go visit and hang out. It was my own like imagination playground. And I'd like to do that again. You do know you're going to get a million comments on this podcast of like, write that sequel. I totally will. (laughs) So another Jewish um, set of stories, Jewish protagonists, I could totally help you out with. So Alyssa Cole's Let It Shine has a super hot, amazing Jewish boxer hero. He's delicious. You should read it. Hamilton's Battalion with Rose Lerner, which we already mentioned, both of her characters are Jewish and are reconciling their marriage, which is fascinating. I know that you said you don't dig erotica, um, which is cool. Totally fine. I do want to mention Craving Flight by Tamsin Parker. It is very, very much a BDSM romance, but the way in which the heroine, who is also a convert to uh, Orthodox Judaism, negotiates her desire for kink and her desire for a very religiously observant life is part of the tension of the story. And I don't think that the BDSM really shows up until you're much further into the story. So you're much more invested in the characters. I know that it's a BDSM story, but I I don't always think of that story as an erotic romance. You know what I mean? Because I was more into the Jewish parts, but that could just be my reading of it. And then there's the anthology Burning Bright, which I wrote the foreword for, and that has Megan Hart, Stacey Agdern, Jennifer Grayson, and K.K. Hendren's stories. That should still be available. The other one that I want to make sure to mention, should I mention Knit One Girl too? Yeah, why not? I'm trying to think if... See, what always trips me up is that when someone, this is this is a problem with my brain, when someone names category, when someone names books that they've liked, I'm like, okay, historical, historical, historical. So I'm looking at historicals, even though the rest of the request isn't has anything to do yeah. with historicals. So I get stuck in one very specific mindset and I should open it up a little bit because it's not just historical. I read across all subgenres. Um, Knit One Girl 2 
by Shira Glassman is a book that Elise just adored. It is. And it's a quick read. It is very quick. It is low conflict. It is about two women and it is adorable. And everyone who has reviewed this and talked about it just said, this is such a happy place book. And (laughs) you know what's good? Happy place books. (laughs) Those are very good things. All right. Shall we move on to the next one? Yes. This email is from Abby. Abby writes, I've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, and I absolutely love it. Thank you. I love how it's grown and changed to encompass so much more beyond the very wonderful core of romance book recommendations. The recent episode with Alicia Rye on dating, oh my God, the horror, the humor, had me laughing and crying and cheering out loud in my car. I'm so glad you liked that one. It's one of my favorites, too. Two of my favorites. I read my first romance, The Song of the Lioness Quartet by Tamora Pierce at age 10 and have been hooked ever since. I think my first traditional romance was The Sherbrooke Bride by Catherine Coulter. Talk about old school rapey crazy sauce. Despite the detour into the crazy early Coulter land, romance is the place I go to learn, to explore, escape, and heal. It's my safety net, my cozy corner, and my security blanket. And now that I've buried the lead a mile deep, I'm wondering if you've ever done a reader recommendation on romances that feature single mothers who aren't widows. I'm recently separated from my daughter's father, and I wonder often how I'm going to make all this work as a single mom. There have got to be some kick-ass single mom heroines out there with kids who aren't awful, saccharine plot moppets, and please, no one who gets back together with their ex- I haven't read a lot of contemporary romance, so I'm not even sure where to start looking. Anyway, thank you for creating Smart Bitches. It's really incredible, and I so appreciate all the whole hard work you and the bitches put into it all. Warmest wishes from Abby. P.S. In case this turns out to be something you want to share, either by the podcast or the website, please feel free. Maybe there are other single moms out there looking to see themselves in a romance. Okay, so Abby's request. First of all, So thank you so much for the compliments to the podcast. That is the best. And I love the recommendation episodes too, uh, mostly because Amanda like will say a book and I'm like, oh yeah, that's (laughs) right. Those words are together in that book. Single mother romances. Oh my goodness. There are so many and so many featuring kick-ass single mothers as well. Amanda, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, So I didn't pick out any specific books because this is like my anti-catnip. I don't, don't like, like I don't like single parent stories. I don't. I don't know why I don't like it. Um, but they just don't appeal to me. I mean, I'm not presuming anything about someone's background, but like I don't have children. Um, so I don't really have that connection to like being a parent and what's the what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um and also my own relationship with my own my parents or like my mom is uh strained unhealthy (laughs) um not pleasant uh so it's just not for me um but we did it's (laughs) it's totally understandable that that gets in the way of your of your reading a book I don't think you need to worry that people are like oh there's something wrong with you that you don't like single mother romances no if it's not if that is in your way totally makes sense um so but we did get a rec league a while ago at the beginning of this year um and I thought it was very sweet and it was a a reader trying to find books for her friend 
um, mm-hmm. who was looking yes, to go that was into a really yeah. good one. She was That's looking, really her one. friend was looking to go into sperm donation um, to have a child. And she's a, I believe she's a single woman. Um, so her friend was looking for happy romances where the heroine is a single mom, maybe even through sperm donation, IVF, or adoption. And bonus points if she doesn't have to give up her career to do it. Um, so I think that definitely qualifies for like kick-ass heroines. Um, and we have like over 30 comments oh, yes. on the thread. There are historicals, there are contemporaries, there's romantic suspense, I believe. Um, yes, this thread has everything. But this is because the bitchery knows everything. Yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping that something in there will strike your interest. Um, I can't really speak to what's good and what's not. I know Claudia Connor's uh, Worth the Fall comes highly recommended. We've had this featured on the site several times. Um, the Woman's a Young Widow, which I th- I think and she's pregnant. Want. Yeah, but she's got like five kids. And she's pregnant. <laughs> and she's pregnant when the hero meets her. Um, but a lot oh. of people loved that book. A lot of I'm yep. seeing Nora Roberts mentioned a few times. Yep. Um, but I we will obviously link below. Um, someone suggested Sustained by Emma Chase. I read that one and I really liked it. Um, but the heroine, I wouldn't say, is a single mom. Her brother and sister-in-law get into an accident and die. And so she kind of becomes the guardian of her nieces and nephews, of which there are six of them. Um, Wait, that's a lot. Can you hear, by the way, all the helicopters and yeah, planes going over my house? going on? Uh, I live outside of D.C. <laughs> and someone's moving around. There's a lot of helicopters and military stuff that goes over my house. So sorry about that. Please continue. No, the military is scrambling because they don't like your recommendations. Sorry, and they're mad. I'm you don't sorry. Like mom <laughs> um, but that one was cute. I wouldn't say like the the kids are kind of like incompetent or anything. They're they're definitely there for comedic relief. Um but are they plot muppets who exist only to further the plot or are they actual characters? I would say they're actual characters. They each have their own personality. There are scenes with them where they, where they fight. Um there's a a really good moment where all six of them are or five of them are sick at once. Oh, that's always fun. And the heroine. So the hero has to take care of all of these children and the heroine with the help of, like, one of the younger kids. And he's like, oh, I'm so thankful that, like, at least someone isn't sick and can help me. And then, like, the little girl pukes on him. And he realizes that he is the only non-sick one in the house. Um, (laughs) So, yes, please check out that uh, reader recommendation, I think you'll be able to find something fabulous in there because our commenters are awesome. Yeah. They know everything, literally everything. Um, there are two books I want to specifically mention. Harlequin is closing the super romance line, but if you look in the archives of the super romance line, there are, first of all, those books are close to 90,000 words. They're very close to single title. And there are a lot of single parents in there. One author who writes really good single parent stories is Ellen Hartman. I don't think she's writing currently, but she wrote several, several books that I really enjoyed. And I like that her characters are adults. They're grownups and they act like grownups and they tend to have children. They tend to have established lives and they are all really thoughtful. They also, a lot of them take place in upstate New York or central New York. 
One is calling the shots. And if I'm remembering this one correctly, and yes, I am. Good job, brain. The hero has a uh, daughter and they're completely mad for hockey. And she plays on a team. But the daughter has a problem with a player on the team. And it turns out that the other player's mother is the is sort of the part of the tension. Because the the way I remember Alan Hartman explaining this to me, I think it was at RT or RWA or a smaller local conference, is that the other player is kind of bullying this guy's daughter. And it turns out that he's super into the other player's mom. Like, oops, <laughs> your, your child is annoying, but you are great. So there's there's hockey and there's parents trying to be good at being parents, which is really friggin' hard. And there's a lot of really good tension. It's also very, very highly reviewed. The other book by Ellen Hartman that I want to mention is The Boyfriend's Back. Now, this one is absolutely not your catnip, but this book is amazing when you describe it. I'm trying to decide. I, I God, I don't know how much how much of this I can I can describe. There's it's sort of a secret baby story, <laughs> and it's sort of a single mom story. Um, I think what okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain what I know about this book. But if you want spoilers, just skip ahead for like the next thirty seconds. So the mom told everybody in their small town that this guy was the dad, even though he wasn't, and he got kicked out of the house and left town. Was like screw all you people, and she was supposed to tell her daughter that that guy was not her dad, but she never got around to telling her daughter that that guy was her dad. And so he comes back for his mother's funeral and finds out that there's this person who thinks that she is his daughter, but she is not. Okay. Okay. So, right. I mean, so you're already resting on a lot of deception, but wow. Um, and you have to sort of get you have to sort of uh, get ready for the fact that the heroine has com- compounded a massive lie into a major problem. But uh, you have to if you're if you're able to be like, okay, I want to see how she figures this out, then this book should really work for you. But it is like the mother of all secret baby single mom stories that I could think of. Like I just I describe that to people, and they're like, whoa, <laughs> what? No way. The Ellen Hartman story that I really, really like is one called The Long Shot that has a former professional basketball player who is convinced to coach a high school girls team and the assistant coach is a woman. But I do not remember. My memory is not good enough to tell me if the high school coach, assistant coach has a child. I cannot remember and I apologize. Um, So... That was my favorite of her books, but she definitely writes a lot of good single parents. I remember, this is killing me. I remember one of her books where there is a scene where the heroine um, is a single mom and she ends up with like stupid PTA bake sale drama and is just like opting out like, fuck it, I'm not participating in this bullshit power play anymore. (laughs) And then there's another point where she just gets a... Uh, she gets in a water balloon fight with her kids and the neighborhood kids and everyone's looking down at her for playing with her kids and having a water balloon fight. Like I remember these scenes so vividly. Do I know which book this is? Of course not. I could do my own habos every day of the week. Do you know why habo exists (laughs) by the way? Because that's what my brain is like. Habo exists because that is the cold, dark recesses of my memory. So anyway, there is one where there's a single mom who's like, screw all this PTA bake sale politics. And by the way, Amanda, if you don't think that there are PTA bake sale politics, you're wrong because there totally are. 
And oh, I believe oh, it. Oh, as I think it was Redheaded Girl's mom who said, when the stakes are low, the likelihood for ridiculous behavior is very high. Nothing makes people more backbitey and evil than really low stakes of power. And PTA Bake Sale, one of those examples. And at our old school in New Jersey, they not only did a bake sale on election day, but they would do like um, frozen dinner. So like you could buy a whole tray of baked ziti for 10 bucks as a fundraiser. Ooh. That was a major power play. And the person who took over is, it was a restaurant owner, is a restaurant owner. And I was like, you tell me what you want and I will do anything for you because you are not political. You don't do power plays and you make decisions quickly. And that is just the greatest thing. Tell me what you want. I'm there. She's like, can you come run the cash register? And I'm like, I'm bad at math. I'll be there anyway. I don't care. (laughs) So the fact that there's this book by, I'm really pretty sure it's by Ellen Hartman. I should totally be like, dear Ellen Hartman, you probably don't remember meeting me several years ago, but you wrote this book and now I can't remember which one it is. Help me out. Love Sarah. (laughs) That wouldn't be embarrassing. <laughs> so anyway, that, I know that that book exists. And I will remember it tonight when I'm brushing my teeth and I'll add it to the show notes. The other person <laughs> who writes a lot of single parents is Kristen Ashley. But Kristen Ashley's books don't work for everybody because she is very detail-oriented. And she's going to tell you every single thing about the room the character's in. She's going to provide a lot of detail. And, and it's very immersive. And that either works for you and they're going to be like your favorite books to read one after another. Or it's not going to work for you because there's a lot of detail. But she writes a lot of single parents. And most of the time, her kids are not plot moppets. It's pretty great. Are there any other books you want to make sure to mention? Not from my end. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the last one is Laura. Hello. I have greatly enjoyed reading y'all's reviews, and I'm starting to read romance. Well, welcome, Laura. From my obnoxiously long time reading fan fiction, I've discovered that I like Minaj, recovery, BDSM, alphas, and historical romances, but I haven't been able to find books that hit all, though I really I would settle for one or two of those things without turning the hero into an enormous asshole or alfhole, uh, a term my new copy of Heaving Bosoms has taught me. I tried Maya Banks, but the first book I read by her had the heroine wandering into a BDSM club and the owner immediately falling for her and performing unasked cunnilingus like a pit bull confronted with raw steak. Then he declared she was moving in with him without her input and her friends, who were understandably very concerned, were then portrayed as controlling and bad friends who should apologize. This scared me off romance for a good while, but I've decided to try again. Are there any romances I should spring for that incorporate a few of my catnips without making the hero someone women should flee screaming from? Any recommendations? Much appreciated. All right. So Laura is looking for sexy times. Without the hero being a jerk. Without com- without the hero being a complete alf hole and overbearing dickwad i think we've talked about this sarah and that like in a lot of bdsm romances uh the hero is usually always the dominant in the relationship Mm -hmm. and he has like these submissive spidey senses where like he can just look at a woman and know i hate that oh she's submissive so (laughs) my shoulders are right now like right next to my ears i hate that so much like yeah i'm writing a review of a book that I DNF'd last night that made me so angry. And one of the things that made me angry, it wasn't BDSM, it was historical, that he, the hero looks at the heroine and can tell that she looked pure and sweet and completely untouched by masculine hands. And I had to put the book down because I was like, is there like a heat map? This, is it a scent thing? 
did somebody pee on this poor girl? Like, how do you know? <laughs> and it's the same thing as being able to innately sense that she's a submissive and he's going to unlock this in her. Like, no, no, no. I'm so, well, I, I hate just it so much. Hate it. Is, is that for, you know, a man to look at a woman and be like, I know what she wants, even though she doesn't. Oh, I hate that. complete bullshit because in the amount of sexual experience I've had the number of times where a man has known what I wanted in the bedroom has been like zero (laughs) percent I'm sorry but like men need direction but they don't like to ask for directions don't you know that (laughs) they think they what they're doing is good I'm like what are you doing down there this is uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, God. There are nerve endings down there. Do you not know that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the number of guys that have known what I wanted were zero. <laughs> yes, but there are these romance heroes that can, like, you know, spot you from two blocks down and be like, she's innately a submissive and she's going to really enjoy this way out there kinky shit. I could just tell. Like, really? I just, like, for once, I would love a scene where, you know, guy's like, oh, I bet you, like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, what I really would love to do is, like, peg you. That's what I'm super into. And be like, oh, my God. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Let's try it. And then, like, everyone has a good time. Oh, God. I'm sorry. That was just so funny. Okay. Oh, the distance between (laughs) romance and the rest of the world. One thing that I think is a trend that may be on the way out, although this may also be my own wishful thinking, is the dominant hero who doesn't learn anything and knows everything about the heroine. Like, I understand why that is attractive. The idea that, like, for example, years and years and years ago for my first book, I interviewed Lisa Kleypas and she and I were talking about how there is something incredibly seductive and wonderful about a guy in a romance who's like, whatever it is, I got this. I'm on it. Whether it's doing the laundry or your orgasm, do not worry. I have totally got this under control. (laughs) But that's very different from a hero who's like, I know what you want, even if you don't. I know your body better than you. And I can see why that trope (laughs) exists, but I am very tired of it and I'm not interested in... I'm not interested in emotionally non-fluent characters who have to be taught that feelings are okay. Um, And I'm not, or or especially after they blame the heroine for having those pesky feelings in the first place. Like I have feels and I'm mad. So I'm going to hate fuck you over it. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I also am very tired of the hero. Like you said, who looks at a woman is like, I know best what you need. I promise you the likelihood of you guessing correctly is probably like 2%. Maybe. Unless I'm actually wearing socks that say, if you can read this, bring me wine. (laughs) I love those socks. But that might be one of the instances where someone's like, oh, maybe she wants wine. All right. So, (laughs) poor Laura. Now that you like (laughs) non-alpha hole, asshole heroes who are into some. Oh, Lingus like a pit bull. Confronted with (laughs) rustic. Okay. I, the, I don't know if you follow My Dad Wrote a Porno, the podcast. 
Um, it is Wheeze Laughingly Funny. Do you oh even know gosh. about this podcast? Oh, yes. I have listened to it while like grocery shopping and it's made me very <laughs> uncomfortable. I listen to it in the car with Adam when the kids are not in the car. So pretty much while they're at camp. <laughs> and like there are moments where I'm pretty sure Adam needs to pull over so he can remember how to breathe. It is so <laughs> fun. ripe pomegranates. But for on their Instagram for December, they are doing my dad wrote a porno advent. So there's little audio oh clips of God. the best of for each day of December. And today's is one where I think it was her vaginal meat or something. <laughs> the picture is a can of spam. Like the descriptions in that book are the most like unsexy descriptions ever written for erotic content. And it's and it's only better by the fact that he's reading this to his friends and they're like, "No, make it stop." And I love it when his friends occasionally remind him, "Hey, your dad wrote this. Your and dad wrote this." And they have, and the fact that they've started this podcast, they're now going on world tours. Like they performed at the Sydney Opera House reading Rocky Flintstone porno in the in this in the Sydney Opera House. And you know, sometimes there are terribly dark days and I'm like, yes, but that happened. <laughs> the world is not complete shit. Because Rocky Flintstone wrote Bad Erotica about a woman who works at Pots and Pans, and now there's a roadshow <laughs> involving the Sydney Opera House. It's kind of amazing. Okay, so recommendations. I want to make sure to recommend a nonfiction, first of all, because I thought it was so interesting. Um, it's called The Scarlet Letters, My Secret Year of Men in an L.A. Dungeon by Jenny Nordback. It came out this year, and it is basically a, the story of how a woman got involved being a professional dom. And one of the things I'm going to be doing in the upcoming season is that um, Tian Kim Lam gave me the name of a friend of hers who is also a professional dominatrix. Yes! So I'm going to interview her for the podcast. Would you like to interview her with me, my friend? Yes, I feel like I'm secretly be like, hey, Sarah, can we can we do this? Can we get someone who like works in this industry? Because I'm very oh, curious. Where oh, is absolutely. The and where is the reality in terms of like the portrayal of people who work? Zeb and Buzz would like you to know that they are not here for professional doms, but they are also very upset that the UPS man is here. This is not okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just going to let the dogs bark. So yes, I'm going to be doing that interview in, in, next year because I, well, I, I hope so. I hope she says yes. I hope that she will. But the Scarlet Letters diary was very, very interesting because the writer takes you through how she got started working in a, in a dungeon and how she created dominant scenarios and scenes for very different men and different experiences and how the other women, one of the first things she learned was that you don't put down other people's desires, even though they are different from yours. Like if some guy likes dirty feet, you take shoes off, you go outside, you walk in the mud and that's going to make him very happy. Like you, the, people have desires and your job is to accommodate them exactly the way that they are paying for them. And it was really, really interesting. And also the different men. There's one story about a movie star in there who's very, very famous. Of course, she doesn't name him, but I am dying to know oh who it gosh. is. I have theories. But yeah, you would like that book too. It was really interesting. Another series I want to recommend is the Science of Temptation series by Delphine Dryden. There's three. There's the Theory of Attraction, the Seduction Hypothesis, and the Principle of Desire. Now, you have to sort of suspend disbelief just a little bit because you have to buy the idea that there are all these science nerds living in, living close to each other in an apartment building who are also all members of the same BDSM dungeon club, <laughs> which is fine. 
Did they post? Well, I there, believe like, that a, it could like happen. A bulletin board at the dungeon club. It's like looking for roommates or like looking for. <laughs> we have apartments, and you're all science nerds. The first one I think would be really interesting um, for Laura because the hero is a man named Ivan who is very clinical and scientific and also a dominant, but very clear about what he's looking for in a sub and what he expects in terms of BDSM behavior, because in a BDSM scene, there are rules, but in social situations, those rules confuse him. And so he gets involved with this other, with this woman, Camilla, because she's going to help him Uh, deal with social situations as he's trying to get a grant for his scientific work. So there's this very interesting intersection of dominance and submission and social rules and personal rules and and BDSM rules. Seduction hypothesis and the principles of desire are also really, really enjoyable. So you, you would probably really enjoy those because while there are dominant men, they are also very considerate. There's also one woman who's a switch and she ends up with a male sub who has never subbed before. And that one involves a, an abusive, a formerly abusive relationship, which I do want to warn people about that. That one I really liked just because I really liked reading nerdy submissives. That was apparently a thing I did not realize <laughs> I would like. If you're curious about it, um, the poor, the semi-abusive, yeah, it was abusive. The abusive relationship one is the principle of desire, but she's out of that abusive relationship. Her former boyfriend just comes back on the scene. No pun intended. What recommendations do you have? I have several um, because I like reading BDSM romances, but my- Yes, this, this question yeah. was made for you. <laughs> but my tolerance for like the bullshit <laughs> that Laura described yes. is also pretty low. Um. So one book that I've started, I'm probably like a quarter to halfway through. Um, I'm a frequent like starter and stopper of books. So I will start a book maybe like a month prior, put it aside to read something else and then come back to it. It's a horrible habit. Um, but I started reading uh, Master Professor by Tara Sumi. And I was very surprised because the setup will make you – a little squicky. And so I was like, I don't know about this. So this man and woman, uh, I believe like reconnect and the man is, uh, an actor and the woman finds out that he's into BDSM and she, he makes it clear, like, this is something that's part of me that I kind of not necessarily require in my relationships, but, um, is something that I really want in my partner. And so she's like, okay, well, I will try it. Um, okay. So at first I was like, I don't know about this. Um, so she kind of like enrolls at this like BDSM Academy because those are things. Um, and. Wait, I hope that is a thing. <laughs> Uh, but, but who knows? No, I'm going to find one. You go ahead. I'm going to find There's one. There's so many like BDSM, like sex dungeons in romance. I was like, are there really that many? Um, BDSM, a training academy.com. Oh my goodness. Do they have like a physical Dominant location or is it like all is it, like online submissive training? No, I wouldn't trust dominant them. training. I would not trust like if I went to like a BDSM sex club and like a guy had his 
dom certificate hanging up on the wall and it's would, kind of like an online it? academy <laughs> i don't think i would buy it um but so she goes there and the head of the academy has picked someone to like help train her and the guy was like he immediately questions it just like i don't know how i feel about training a woman who seems to be doing this to keep her relationship. You know what I mean? Um, So I really appreciated that little pause moment from the hero. There's lots of communication, which I enjoyed. I mean, I haven't finished it, so I can't tell you, like, if the heroine winds up with her teacher or with her actor boyfriend or if there's, like, a menage sort of triad situation so I'm not sure um but it was very so far it's been very intelligent very open with communication um and very smart so I I was enjoying that one another one is Finding Master Right by Sparrow Beckett which I reviewed on the site I gave it a B plus the hero doesn't do anything like as described by Laura where he just knows what she wants and sets upon her like a rabid dog. The heroine is kind of learning about her sexuality and she isn't sure if BDSM is right for her, but she wants to experiment. Um, So I liked that sort of internal trying to figure things out. I will warn you that I felt at times the heroine had some internalized misogyny in enjoying Mm -hmm. sex and you know wanting to do these things but I did feel like there was a lot of growth from that at the beginning of the book so that's my one little caveat Tiffany Rice's series are always highly recommended I've read The Siren I really liked it Elise really liked it um the I also feel like Rice's books also need to come with a similar like okay some of the initial setup is a bit you need to be able be aware of what you're getting yes. into with the initial setup. Like the the siren and that series involves um, a, a priest who's in a dominant relationship with someone, and I think it starts when they're under when she's underage. It doesn't go super into detail in the siren. That's more she. So the heroine Nora is a writer, um, and yes. she has an editor. The more yes, the more you go into the series, yeah, Thorin the more you was learn like her previous dominant, and he was a Catholic priest. And you get a little bit of the backstory, um, but I think it's, like, yeah. fully explored the further she goes into the series. And I was also surprised that it's really light on sexual content. Yes, the, a lot of the dominance play in the book is psychological. Yes. It's also as if, because it's so interesting to me, Tiffany Rice's writing is really incredible, but her genre is not my genre. So I don't read a lot of it, but that that I that which I have read, I get the sense that the book itself will challenge you to reframe your own experiences the way that the dominant characters are reframing the worldview for the submissive characters in sexual experience. Does that make sense? Yes. Like the Tiffany Rice books will always challenge you whether or not that's a challenge that you enjoy is entirely up to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I'll recommend is Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, Good choice. Yeah, has, that was on my list too. I don't remember the name of the series, but there are two books so far, Haven and Sanctuary. And 
both beards and bondage oh, is the name of, of this course. series. Wow, I can't believe I didn't remember that. <laughs> I remembered a thing. You, I'm just going <laughs> to dine out on that for the rest of the day. Um, I've read Haven, and I know both books have heroines dealing with some trauma. In the first yes. book, the heroine was camping with her brother, and while camping, her brother is murdered, and she survives. And the hero is the one who rescues her. He's like a mountain man who like lives out in the mm-hmm. woods. And then in Sanctuary, I believe the heroine um, has a stalker. Um, but I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. Um, but both feature like really nice heroes, very patient heroes. They all have really adorable dogs. I believe the hero in Sanctuary has many dogs. Um, but I, I really liked it because there's not like, um, like a rush into like, we gotta do all this BDM stuff. There's a lot of patience. There's a lot of like seeing what works. I feel like a majority of Rebecca's books has some kind of erotic content in them. So if Haven and Sanctuary aren't your bag, I would recommend looking at her backlist and reading what else she has. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Now, before I wrap up, I have one last email. This was a response to our episode for Thanksgiving, where lots and lots of people talked about lots of books and people and authors that they were thankful for. Dear Sarah, I just finished the latest podcast. It was so fun to hear about the books that guests are thankful for. I know you asked listeners for their books that they are thankful for, but I'm sure I won't be the only person emailing you to say thank you to Smart Bitches Trashy Books. None of my friends read romance unless I give them books. And so it's great to feel part of a community of readers and to get awesome book recs. Every time I listen, I buy at least one book despite promises to myself I'll read my TBR pile before buying more. Through the website and the podcast, I have been introduced to so many amazing authors that I might not have found otherwise, including Pamela Clare, Alicia Rye, Alyssa Cole, Santino Hassel, Kit Roca, and Beverly Jenkins. So thank you. Since I'm here, I would like to thank Jennifer Cruzy for Welcome to Temptation. It wasn't the first romance I read. That would be a terrible amnesia book that I now call Creepy Overboard. But it was the book that turned me into a committed romance reader and showed me how fun and life-affirming the genre can be. I also want to thank Rainbow Rowell for Eleanor and Park. I saw myself in that book in a way I never had before and wish that it had been published when I was a teenager. But really, this was an email to say thank you to everyone at Smart Bitches for enabling me to spend too much money on books, introducing me to awesome writers, and making me laugh out loud. Best wishes, Norette. Thank you, Nurette, and thank you to everyone who wrote to me. You are all very, very welcome. I am honored that you hang out on the website and that you hang out on the podcast with us each week. And that brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you to Amanda, and thank you to everyone who wrote in. And thank you to Garlic Knitter, who does an amazing job each week transcribing each episode. This podcast was brought to you by Heart of a Cowboy by Kristen Vaden. A stubborn cowboy has sworn never to forgive or forget, but one special woman may find a way to change his mind. This exciting new series from best-selling author Kristen Vaden, centered on the Elk Heights Ranch in Washington State, combines complex characters, a gorgeous setting, and crackling sexual chemistry. When the prodigal son returns to the ranch to dismantle his late father's legacy as a last act of revenge against a hateful old man, 
he never expects the gentle ways of a hospice nurse to tame the roaring fire within. The Heart of a Cowboy by Kristen Baden is available everywhere books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. And if you would like to sponsor an episode or sponsor a transcript, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. I have availability in 2018, though it does book up soon. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or sarah at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. Either way, I would be delighted to hear from you and can share all the information. And it doesn't have to be a book either. If you want to talk about your Etsy store, things you make, things you like, editorial service, random things... Somebody emailed me recently about buying advertisement as a gift for another person who's releasing a book. I mean, that's also a lovely and generous option. Get in touch. I would love to hear from you. We have a podcast Patreon. Patreon is not changing their fee structures. Thank you, Patreon, for doing that. (sighs) I am so relieved. You can make a pledge without worrying that you'll have to pay the fee. Have I mentioned how relieved I am about the fact that they've changed this decision? You can make a pledge for a dollar or three dollars or five dollars a month, and all of your support makes a massive difference in the future of the show, especially in helping me transcribe older episodes and plan the 2018 season. I also want to thank you if you have left a review wherever or however you listen to podcasts, if you've told a friend, if you've subscribed, if you've mentioned us on social media, and for listening each week. I am deeply, deeply grateful that you hang out with me each Friday to talk about romances. And I love love meeting more and more of you as I do events. It is so cool to hear how much you enjoy the show. So thank you for that. The music you are listening to, I am sure you have identified and I am sure you know what album this is. This is Adeste Fiddles by Deviations Project. This is Silent Night. It's the longest track on this album, but it is very, very nice to listen to. You can find the album on Amazon and I will, of course, have links to it in the podcast entry at smartpitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. I will also have links to all of the books that we mentioned, as well as links to some of the features on the site that we talked about during this episode. But now it is time for bad jokes. Now I have two bad jokes and I'm not sure which one to to use. Lose one, used one, maybe I should just use them both. Okay, so here's the first one. How do you make headlines? How do you make headlines? Well, you start with corduroy pillows. (laughs) That's from Kifrin on Reddit. Now, this one is terrible. I, it is so bad, and yet I am so delighted by it. Are you ready? <laughs> it's a little off color, so if you're, I don't know if your children listen to the show to begin with, but this one's a little bit off color. Okay. <laughs> How do you titillate an ocelot? I have to say this without laughing. How do you titillate an ocelot? You oscillate its tit a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Clearly, I'm a little bit punchy and very easily amused. So that brings me to the very end of the talking part, also known as the outro, which, by the way, is totes a word. On behalf of Amanda and myself and everyone here, including all of my furry friends, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. Merry Christmas if you are celebrating. And I hope to see you here next week when we talk about romances and all of the other stuff we love. We'll be doing our end of the year episode with all of the bitches together. I hope you will join us. Have a great weekend. Happy holidays.